0: You're listening
1: to Arc Radio podcast. So today's show, we're taking a little bit of a um, a, a, a tangent. We're going off on. So what we're going to do instead of uh, speaking to one of the Shioks about Islamic issues, um, well, I suppose you could say it, they are Islamic issues. We're going to speak to speaking to Dr. Nazim Guri today, uh, and also Adil, brother Adil Lutfan, is also in the studio. Is that correct? Is that Adam Muslims? That's right. Islam alaykum, everybody. as salam, as salam, Dr. Nazim. Now we're going to be talking about health issues. Um, obviously, when you're fasting, it can be, it can take a toll on you physically and it can drain you, especially in the long fasts. If you have any questions uh, with regards to how you should be fasting and whether or not you're doing something right or wrong, or any kind of uh, health issues that you might have that you want to ask about in terms of fasting, but I'd like to start off, uh, Dr. Nazam just by asking a general question. About what kind of um, things should a person be careful of in terms of health when they are fasting?
2: So, the important thing when it comes to health is that when it comes to Ramadan in particular, you're talking about fasts that are starting off, depending which timetable you follow, anything from 18 and a half to 19 hours at the start of the month and potentially hitting 19 and a half to 20 hours by the end of the month. And that for any human being is quite a toll, especially if you're doing it day in, day out, given mm-hmm. the fact that we've got the unaccustomed kind of milder weather, shall we say. Now, people might say at other parts of the world it's not very hot. In this part of the world, but people forget that our houses and buildings are designed to keep heat in and -hmm. not let heat out. Mm -hmm. So 20 degrees can feel like 30 degrees very quickly. And bear in mind, sunshine is out till 9, 10 o'clock at night. It doesn't set around 5 36. So you're getting exposed to that persistent kind of warmth, heat, Mm etc. So the most important thing at this time of year is to understand that your body has requirements like uh, hydration, food. And sleep these are the main three things and when one is fasting it becomes much more uh, challenging because you do have a limited period of time to eat and drink and if say for example you had a big iftar or something you might not digested your food yet and then the whole time is there and then all of a sudden you've got 20 hours after that but you can't eat so a person has to think about their body in terms of how much they can consume the type of food they can consume and you should really try and have a bit to eat at iftar and a bit to eat as a there's a blessing in the sunnah eating at both times when it comes to hydration, you want to drink two and a half around two to two and a half litres of fluid a day you don't need to overdo it unless you're involved in a profession or you're doing something which involves you sweating more than you ordinarily would mm-hmm. and when it comes to eating food as well you don't need to eat a lot you don't need to get two three thousand calories down you need enough calories to allow you to fulfil your day's requirements uh, on a day by day basis
1: Okay, excellent. And people that have, I mean, of course you know that people are um, ill, have got long-term illnesses, mm. then they don't need to fast. But there are, there, are, there are cases, aren't there, where people kind of force themselves to fast because they're in a the habit of doing it. So what would you say to someone who's maybe not sure whether they oh. should or not?
2: I think it comes back to what the Shayuk have been saying, is that when it comes to Ramadan, ra- fasting is one component of Ramadan. And even with fasting, you are fulfilling the obligation of submitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So for some people Ramadan means fasting For some people it means abstaining from fasting Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made your health circumstances such That he's testing you to see if you'll abstain from fasting Because that is the sharia for you So the most important thing for any individual is to understand that Ramadan is a matter of submission And it's about deciding what is appropriate for your body Given the circumstances that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put you in At this point in time Now it may be that last Ramadan you were fine And this Ramadan you weren't Maybe that this Ramadan you're okay next Ramadan you're not so you need to really understand your body and take a check in terms of what your general health is like. Have you got any ongoing chronic ailments and chronic problems such as diabetes, high blood pressure, kidney disease, asthma, these things which may influence whether it's straightforward for you to fast or not. And also, have you got any acute illness? Have you got an infection at this point in time? Have you injured yourself when you need to take painkillers? The part of Ramadan is to understand that you have to reflect on your own body, your own trust that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you and understand that I have to give an account for my body. uh, And Ramadan is a month which is no different. In fact, this is where you have to actually give your body a proper check to see am I in a state where I can physically meet the demands of fasting or not. Okay, JazakAllah Khair.
0: And you touched a bit there, um, I think in your first answer, on sleep patterns. Mm.
2: What what would you say is the advice you'd give in terms of sleeping, especially with these long fasts that we have? I think the most important thing to recognise is that everybody is going to be up either for doing Sehri or for doing Fajr at somewhere between maybe 2.30 and 3.30 in the morning. Now, in the main, lots of people then have to then wake up early in the morning to get to work, which may either mean being in work for 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock, or a bit later, depending on things. So at most, you might get a stretch of four, if you're lucky, five hours of sleep before you have to be ready for the morning's activities. That is not enough sleep for most people. I say most because some people can do with less over a period of time. Uh, most people need somewhere between 6 and 9, it's quite a broad range but everybody's different, but even if you go for a lesser number of 6 hours, you'll not get 6 hours between uh, fajr and the start of work in the morning if you're doing a standard job you really need to top that up with having a nap, either between uh, your taraweh and your fajr, depending, and for some people that may be possible, for some people may not be or ideally, when you come home from work, if you wonder, if you're working from nine o'clock, you're home by five, six, seven o'clock, having an hour's rest, an hour and a half rest, uh, or whatever you may need, either before asr or after us or before maghrib, that'll freshen you up for the next six or seven hours. And it's a sunnah anyway to do the khaylula, which is to uh, uh, khailula, which is to have a, a rest after zuhur obviously for us after the door could still be case because some people have the assurge amounts at eight thirty, nine o'clock in the Masajid at this time of year.
0: Um, so we've had uh, one question which uh, hasn't actually been asked to the station but was asked to me before I came in mm. and it was regarding Crohn's disease. Yes. Um, what would be the advice that you would give to someone with
2: Crohn's disease? So just to build on what uh, Brother Osman said, uh, one of my roles is I'm a consultant endocrinologist, but I'm also a diabetologist and a general adult physician as well, hence I see a range of things. Now Crohn's disease, for people who are are not aware, is when the bowel gets inflamed, and it can be anything, large bowel, small bowel, even your gullet, uh, and Crohn's disease largely affects the uh, latter part part of the small bowel and the large bowel. Now in this condition, people can have a lot of diarrhoea, And they can also have diarrhea when they lose blood as well. They can also be very uh, unwell in a general sense. They can get fevers, weight loss. They can't absorb nutrients. So very much when it comes to Crohn's disease, it depends how you are in your disease state at that point in time. Now, often patients can be in an active flare-up of the disease or they might be in a quiescent or remission stage of the disease. And you may or may not be on medication to either help maintain the remission or treat the acute flare-up. So most patients, People with Crohn's disease will have a gastroenterologist or a general surgeon looking after them, and it's worthwhile getting their advice. As a general rule, if you're in remission, you're healthy, and you haven't had any flare ups, and you're otherwise normal weight and things, you probably should see yourself as a, a normal person should. But understand that obviously, if your symptoms flare up, have a low threshold for either breaking the fast or not fasting. Clearly, if you're having an acute Ill- uh, bout of Crohn's disease, uh, you'd have to be very, I, I would certainly advise not fasting, and that would be the rule unless stated otherwise. And if you're on medication to help maintain a remission, as long as that medication is once a day and things, then it's usually manageable. But again, please seek advice from your specialist. There are some gastroenterologists who are actually Muslim that I know who can obviously help understand what fasting involves and maybe able to offer a more balanced answer and most of my colleagues who are not muslim but gastroenterologists will probably take a more cautious approach just keep that in mind but again taking a cautious approach when there's no other uh, opinion available will still be sufficient for you instead of not fasting and just regards with to what you were saying there is so should someone
0: not just with regards to but if they do have a medical condition and they need to seek medical advice should they try and find a Muslim doctor or will it be okay to just uh, take the advice of whatever doctor they've... Uh, they no, uh,
2: as you know, Osman, you're studying to be a doctor. That is a very broad profession. Uh, and the doc- term doctor is a very general term. Uh, I will f- first put my hand up and say, this is a condition I'm not familiar with, therefore I need to ask pertinent questions to a specialist to ascertain enough information, or I may direct them to a specialist directly. So I think the most important thing is where the condition... Is a, is a more well-known condition, then obviously there'll be more doctors familiar with it. Where a condition is very specialist or rare or requires you to go to a specialist centre to be managed, then you're better getting the advice from the specialist and then maybe speaking to a Muslim doctor afterwards so that they have the necessary information at hand. Uh, It's very important that you try and get... as Doctors will give an answer based on information in front of them. Uh, You give them full information, they'll give you an answer most relevant to you. You give them less information or inaccurate information. They can only go what they have in front of you. Unless they know you well enough and know your condition to know enough to be able to understand and contextualise what you're saying. Um,
0: So with regards to old age... Obviously, there's a number of uh, different conditions that uh, can affect someone with old age or someone might just you know, not have any conditions at mm. all. What advice would you give to someone in that category? Is there an exemption to someone just just from being old, from fasting?
2: So normally what comes with old age is that your body isn't as strong as it was before. And I always use this term physiological reserve when speaking to people. And basically, uh, it's, it, it describes your body's ability to deal with some kind of physical insult or change in circumstances. When you're young, uh, and I say even, if, even up to the ages of even 40, 50, your body can deal with that pretty well. But as one gets older, your body's ability to deal with that reduces. Now if a person has been fit and healthy and looked after themselves in the, year, in the earlier years, then sometimes that legacy effect, that effect can last you really longer in life. But if a person has had a significant illness in their early years, then that reserve will already be diminished over and above any age effects that uh, come into play. So the most important thing uh, is when you're unsure about how your health will fare, and generally you're healthy and you don't have many ailments, so you're not on any regular medication, is you do you assume that fasting is uh, obligatory unless stated otherwise, you start fasting. If circumstances during the day uh, necessitate or dictate that you have to break the fast, you break the fast. Mm-hmm. There is no sin, there is no kafara or like penalty if you break the fast because of necessity. And this is some miscon- this is a misconception that a lot of people still have. Breaking the fast intentionally when you have no reason is one thing. Breaking the fast when you have a valid reason is another. In fact, by you not breaking your fast you might end up going into a makruh or a sinful state by not breaking it. Mm-hmm. And actually the reward and the obligation on you is to break the fast if your circumstances change. So with old age, you just take each day as it comes. Clearly if the fasts are very long and you're struggling day by day then you have to say okay maybe fasting at this time of year is not appropriate for me and you try and make the fast up in december when the fasts are nine or ten hours long if you end up entering a physical state where you can't even fast at that time of year then you would have to say okay i need to pay the fidya so the most important thing is to keep a, a record of all the fasts that you have not kept and by uh, winter time if you've not been able to make them up or it's clear that you won't be able to make them up over subsequent winters then you pay the fidya it's like zakat you have to keep a record uh, your, your fast or your money or whatever Okay, just um, We just had a question just coming mm-hmm. there. Um there Is it possible to fast safely with diabetes? Okay, so diabetes is a situation where you have higher blood uh, higher sugar in the blood than one should Now the severity of diabetes and type of diabetes varies depending from individual to individual and the assumption that on the one extreme you have somebody who's got mild diabetes where it's managed by diet you could probably get away with fasting. And fasting, in fact, is beneficial for someone like yourself because you can actually lose some weight and you help control the sugar through not eating. Then you have the other extreme where people have type 1 diabetes where their pancreas, the organ that makes insulin, is not making any insulin at all and you need to rely on insulin injections to keep your sugars under control. Now, in that situation, depending on how well your diabetes is managed, complications, how much education you've got, your independence, etc., you may be able to fast, but in the main majority of people, particularly at this time of year, would probably find it challenging to fast and might be at risk of doing so. It's very much a case-by-case basis and you have to speak to your doctor about it. And you have people in the middle who may be on some insulin but tablets or just tablets uh, or insulin but they've got type 2 diabetes. And for these patients, again, you have to look at other factors that come into play, complications, other health problems, tablets, age, etc. Uh, for example, I have one patient of mine who has type 1 diabetes. Who is on insulin four times a day, but he's young. He has education behind him. He has. He. He is my patient, so he can speak to me. And he fasts, but he's like the minority. And there's plenty of other patients whom I've seen in the run up to Ramadan who I've said it is better you do not fast at this time of year. You can think about winter time, and you can speak closer to the time about that. Or I might even say, look, you're actually not safe enough to fast. Full stop. Okay. Um,
0: and going back to uh, obviously we were talking about um, elderly mm-hmm. before. Um. What about the
2: case of someone with dementia? That's a very interesting question. And one thing you have to remember when it comes to the obligation of fasting, or in fact any religious obligation in the Hanafi school, there are various factors that have to be ticked to make that act of worship obligatory, if it's obligatory to, from the outset. And one, obviously, is that you reach the age of puberty. Right. The other is that you have insight or sanity into the condition or into the act of worship or into, or, or in terms of what you're doing as a Muslim. And if a person has such advanced dementia that they don't even know who's around them, they don't even know how old they are, they don't know that fasting in Ramadan is obligatory, or they might know oh, I have to fast but they don't know enough or able to retain information to allow them to fast safely and fulfill the fara'id, mm. then actually for that person, fasting in Ramadan no longer becomes further on them. Because part of the obligation is to be able to fulfill that obligation yourself. Now if a person is relying on someone saying, oh now it's uh, it's time for Fajr, uh, and therefore start fasting, and now it's Maghrib, start fasting, and in between this time you shouldn't do X, Y, and Z. Mm. If they're not able to retain that information, remember, or understand that, and equally understand the implications of breaking these rules, then for them fasting is no longer Fard. Now for such people, because it's not Fard, therefore the uh, Fidya no longer becomes Fard on them as well, because... There's no, there's no fasting in the first place so it's important when people have elderly relatives or parents or whatever that they perhaps speak to a doctor to find out how important uh, sorry, their degree of dementia and then maybe speak to someone who understands the rules of fasting an imam or a sheikh or uh, someone like myself who studied a bit uh, to then find out is, is, do I have to pay the video or not Okay, um, so
0: we've just had another question come mm. in uh, the question is does fasting affect the thyroid function testing
2: So in terms of your thyroid gland, if you've got an underactive thyroid where you're taking thyroxine, then in and of itself, as long as you're taking your medication, uh, fasting should have no significant bearing on it, unless you're already very underweight and anorexic to start off with. But again, if you're taking thyroxine, you should be on enough dose to kind of make up for that, because when someone's anorexic and the body's shut down their thyroid gland, the activity reduces. But what goes hand in hand with that is making sure that person eats enough as well. When somebody has an overactive thyroid, then you have to take medication regularly uh, to keep that under control. And that also may involve taking medication two or three times during the day to control the symptoms. And if the symptoms are quite significant, and symptoms can include palpitations, sweating, uh, and, being, and being quite agitated, uh, in that situation you may actually need advice from your doctor uh, as to whether fasting is safe or not. And in fact, somebody who had an overactive thyroid Came to see me a couple of weeks ago in clinic. I said actually you shouldn't fast because your thyroid was too overactive. He was sweating a lot. He would get dehydrated and he'd have a lot of difficulty in managing the day, let alone his daily activities as well in that overactive thyroid state. Okay, um, So I'm over the case of high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, In terms of high blood pressure, again, very common condition affects a lot of people in our community. Uh, High blood pressure in the main is controlled by tablets over and above lifestyle measures such as weight loss, exercise, reducing salt intake and reducing smoking or stopping smoking. And if you're taking tablets once a day, then fasting should be okay, provided your kidney function is okay and you're not on drugs that significantly can affect kidney function. And there are a number of different drugs for high blood pressure that can. If you've already got pre-existing kidney disease or your blood pressure needs to be kept under very tight control uh, because because of other factors, then you probably need medical advice. Um, Again, some people drink a lot less in Ramadan. They're taking their medication as well. They can quite easily go into kidney failure. And I've had actually two or three patients who have been admitted over the past two or three years with kidney failure because they've had pre-existing kidney disease. They've had high blood pressure. They've been taking their tablets but drinking less. And what happens is that cumulative effect after two weeks has dried out their kidneys. Okay,
0: um, we've got a very little time. I mm-hmm. think there's one question coming through. Mm-hmm. Just in that time, whilst it's been typed up, um,
2: would you be able to give advice on diet in Ramadan? So I touched on it at the beginning, but most important thing with diet is having a balanced diet where you're eating enough to meet maintain your, or meet your day's requirements. Uh, you don't need to overdo it. You don't underdo it so much that you're weak and tired, that you're you're just trying to sleep through the day or just trying to get tread water to get through the day. Be sensible in what you eat. Split the amount of food you eat between iftar and suhoor. Avoid excessively salty foods, particularly at seheri time, because that will drive thirst over the course of the day. Uh, at the same time, don't cut out salt altogether, particularly if you, if you have the long, warm days as well. Try and be sensible with hydration. Don't drink all your fluid in one go, especially if you going for a tarawih. It can make the tarawih experience very uncomfortable. Uh, try and get through a couple of litres over the four or five hours, maybe a half litre at the start of the fast, a litre over the middle part and then maybe half a litre when you keep the fast and that doesn't put a burden on your bladder towards uh, the morning time when you're sleeping as well
0: Are there any particular foods that you would recommend a uh, fasting A lot of people
2: home? find that porridge is very good at, at Seri time because it's got a low glycemic index so it breaks down quite slowly so you don't get the hit in terms of all the sugar and everything mm-hmm. in the, when you're sleeping and when you don't need it it kind of digests over the early hour, uh, a few hours so by morning time you've still got a bit in the stomach that's breaking down. Most important thing is to um, avoid the salty food and the fried food at Sahari time. So no pakoras? Not at Sahari time. I think, if I told people no pakoras, no samosa at all, they won't they'll just do it all the time. So I say two or three times a week maximum, have that type of stuff. Balance it out with other food that's dry but isn't fried, fruit, etc. Okay, um, we've got our last question mm-hmm. in now. Uh, um, what, what is the best thing to do for polycystic kidney uh, and liver disease during fasting? So if you've got polycystic kidneys and liver, it all depends on your actual liver and kidney function. If it is normal, you're simply being monitored uh, under surveillance, you probably are okay to fast. uh, If, on the other hand, you've got polycystic uh, kidney disease in particular and your kidney function is off, then as, like when I mentioned the blood pressure situation, you have to see what your kidney function is uh, and be sensible to hydration. If you're younger, you might be able to fast or do intermittent fasting. If you're older, it might actually cause more harm. In that situation, your nephrologist is probably your best person to guide you. And certainly if you're on dialysis... Uh, I, if you're on peritoneal dialysis that would break the fast you wouldn't go to fast anyway and if you're on hemodialysis I think you're going to cause yourself more grief than it's worth
0: um, so jazakal khair for your time uh, Dr Khoury um, we will be back tomorrow inshallah uh, for a session with Sheikh Abdul Aziz um, but thank you very much for your time